this week on Erotic Awakening. Erotic science fiction, Taming of the Shrew, and Bedtime Fantasies. Welcome to Erotic Awakening, an exploration of all things erotic. If you are offended by adult topics or prohibited by law, we recommend you stop listening right now. Patron supporters receive the free version of the audiobook Polyamory Toolkit, same as the paid version, just free, as well as ad-free <laughs> early access to podcasts, free ebooks, exclusive chats, and other content. Check out all the options at eroticawakening.com. And thank you to all of our supporters. Indeed, indeed. Hi, Don. Hi, Dan. So today on the podcast, we are going to be speaking with return guest Nobilis, who, Nobilis Reed, and uh, we are going to be talking about erotic science fiction. Indeed. And uh, as much as we like to say, well, we've been doing our podcast since 2009, uh, Nobilis has been doing his since 2007, so he's got a couple of years on us. He does. So, And he was one of our early podcast interviews, wasn't he? Like episode 19 or he something like that? He was indeed. So I think that's what we figured out. But before we get there, uh, I'm going to press this button to see what it does. Oh, now I know. And, uh, Dawn, I got a question for you I want to ask you. Uh-oh, uh-oh, what I do? Is, <laughs> well, let's find out. Would you say that it is normal for your bedtime fantasy to be the complete opposite of what you enjoy in bed? For me? No. <laughs> no, my bedtime... So it's not normal. Wait. You got me backwards. <laughs> Do I fantasize about what I would like to happen in the bed? Is okay. that another way of saying it? That is a way is of saying it, yes. Is that what I have? Mm -hmm. I fantasize about what I would like to happen in bed. Yes. So the things <laughs> that you fantasize about are things that you would actually like to have happen? Yes. Okay. You know me. When I write stories, I have people put on condoms because I really want yes. it to happen. Right? I really fantasize and masturbate to things that I would love to happen. That's what make the things, that's what makes the tinglys kick in. But in general, do you think it is normal when people's bedtimes fantasies are the complete opposite of what they actually end up doing or want to do in bed? Do I think it's normal for normal people? Yeah, like we're probably, experts on normal people. Yeah, probably. Yeah, I don't consider myself normal. I am out there grabbing what it is that I want to experience, so I don't have to fantasize about things that are not happening in the bedroom. But certainly in your life, you have fantasized about things that you don't necessarily actually want to happen. Yeah, yeah, more than likely. So I'm going to say that it is, I don't know about normal. I don't think normal is a great term term but there's nothing abnormal uh, about wanting about having fantasies that you don't actually want to that have that is happen. true that is true and sometimes i have shared fantasies with you in the past and we actually talk about this in our slutty sex mm -hmm. um, workshop that just because you talk about a fantasy doesn't mean you have to act on the fantasy right so you are correct there are things that i do fantasize about that i really wish could happen but probably never will happen. Does that make sense? Yeah. So some of the like public humiliation stuff. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I absolutely fantasize about things like that. But it's probably never going to happen, right? You're not going to take me into a pool hall. Oh, oh wait. Yes, you did. Um, <laughs> a croak, say, a grocery store. A, a grocery store, right. So Because you have thrown me on the table at a pool thing Yeah, before, but that was in the middle but, of a swing club, right? 
No, that was at the bottom. About? We were in. Um, oh, I know what you're talking about. The bottom yeah, 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 of the yeah, thing yeah, yeah. that. Yeah, so so that really happened. But right, a grocery store or um um hell, we may never even do the whole porn movie theater thing. Right, right, where you drop me off and whatever. You know, that's the type of fantasy stuff that I think about sometimes that will probably never happen. Um. And um, so, yeah, I guess it would be normal. Yeah, I think so as well. And again, I'm not attached to the word normal per se, but I don't think there's right. anything. One of the things that comes to my mind is I've known a woman or a female identified human being or two that have had uh, rape fantasies. Mm-hmm. Uh, right? Yeah, that's true. And there's nothing that they actually yeah. want to have happen, but there's something about the powerlessness, blah, blah, blah. Let's not psychoanalyze it. Mm-hmm. But there's a, you know... Here's something I fantasize about that I wouldn't actually want to have happen. Um, or tentacles that can't happen, right? Or things sure, like that. right. Okay. And <laughs> so, that leads us into yes. well, well, erotic a, science fiction. Exactly. But that is a good topic to bring up because it made me have to think through the things because mm-hmm. I was resisting of, no, nah, I, I lived through my shit. So, because but you, you're right. Most of the things, and I'll say for myself, most of the things I fantasize about are... Things that I either have have happened or would like to have happen. Mm-hmm. Um, some things I fantasize about, I have no actual interest in. Lately, I have been uh, studying hypno kink, mm-hmm. and I don't know uh, if you remember, like the first season of Jessica Jones, where I forget the bad guy's name, the Blue Man or some shit. I can't remember what it's called. Which again, don't ask me. I more love the show. angry geek emails. Don't remember. <laughs> It was played by uh, Tenenbaum. I remember that much for whatever reason. But anyway, he could oh, yeah. simply say things and suddenly people would act on them or oh, believe them. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Right. So fantasize-wise, I think a little bit hypno-kink, like, oh, what if I had like super hypno-kink powers? <laughs> but it's nothing I really want to have happen because I'm kind of also a consent junkie. Right. So I wouldn't want to really be in a situation where I could strip people of their consent. Yeah. Non-consensually. Right. Yeah. I get that. So there you get, go. Yeah. I, I, I get it. <laughs> Other than that, we do have to talk to um, Nobilis in just a moment. But before we talk about that, Dawn, you... Uh, so here's what I know about this. Okay. Uh, some of the themes that are explored in the play are love and marriage, the role of women in society, the power of language, and the nature of reality and illusion. What play? The Taming of the Shrew. Mm-hmm. I've never read it, never heard it, never seen it, but this is what my this is what my Google search says. That's it's what about. your Google says it about. So, Will um um from Ohio Hedgehog again. So, I'm he sent me another link, and honestly, it's been a really long time since I've read Taming of the Shrew. I think I had a psychology no 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 a literature class in like the ninth grade. I was in like advanced literature or something. Mm -hmm. So we had a um, Shakespeare mini course sort of thing. So, I mean, it would have been, okay, it's decades ago at this point, right? But I ended up reading this article that he sent me. And um, it says, let me get here. It is a game set match. Routinely reviled by contemporary critics as a celebration of misogyny, The Taming of the Shrew is among Shakespeare's most misunderstood plays. And this professor, Marilyn Simon, so let's see, does it say where she's a professor at? I don't think so. Um, But she is a Shakespeare scholar and university instructor. 
And she goes on to say, hey, we are missing the point here. It's not about patriarchal oppression and stuff like that, like current students, you know, are, are very attuned to and thinking that it is. It is something completely different. And um, she's told one of the big things is, is that the wife is the new wife, the new bride is broken down. And the husband convinces her that she is to say that the the sun calls the sun the moon and an old man, a budding virgin and makes the world conform to the topsy turviness of her husband's patriarchal whimsy. And that this this professor says it's hardly surprising that the contemporary university student, trained as she is to recognize moments of historic patriarchal oppression, is quick to identify this as a moment of gaslighting. And the professor is trying to teach her students that by doing this and coming so quickly and automatically to Kate's defense, it is we who run the risk of treating her exactly as she isn't. It is we who expect her to conform to our idea of a vulnerable woman. We treat her delicately, delicately as if she were not capable of standing, standing up for herself. Oh my God, I can't even speak today. <laughs> of standing up to a man or of determining exactly whom she wants to marry. But, but, but the patriarchy, my students insist. Yet it is precisely her father, the patriarch, whom Catherine quite effortlessly and casually defies. It's precisely the wealthy men of the city who cower before her. It is precisely the patriarchy that Kate sees as being entirely beneath her. If we think that Kate is going to collapse in who she is after a five-minute conversation with a man who doesn't run scared of her, and what's more, seems actually to really like her, it is we, not the patriarchy, who thinks little of her. And that just really struck me. It's like we're screaming patriarchy and gaslighting and forgetting that she's, you know, women are strong people and maybe we're completely misreading it. Not saying that happens all the time, right? Mm -hmm. So, but regardless, I know some people might be interested in this. And I think she, um, the article actually alludes a little bit that it's a kind of a, 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 a whimsical power exchange relationship. And it's a long article, so I'll stop talking about it. But like I said, uh, you know, for those that are interested in it, I'm going to put a link into the May newsletter so that you can find it as well. Um, good. I actually, in our new Discord channel called Question of the Day, the question of the day is going to be, have you read Timmy of the Shrew, and are you upset about it? <laughs> and I'll put, a, as you said, we'll have a link to this episode, uh, to that article in the show notes. Cool. I just think it's cool. It's not something that I usually think about. It's not something I usually read. So I like it when links like that are sent, and it gives me something to think about. So... Huzzah. You can, you can you. find <laughs> our uh, question of the day on our Discord channel, uh, which you'll find a link to on the Erotic Awakening website. Awesome. So guess what we did today? Guess where we're at? Do you even know <laughs> where we're at? Um, Three weeks ago, we were in Yuma, Arizona. I literally do not know the name of the city. <laughs> That's okay. We're, I know what, what city what we're region? near. What I know what city region? we targeted. We're in Eastern Tennessee. We are. So awesome. And since then, we have been through Arizona, New Mexico, Texas, Arkansas. We spent a little bit of time in Arkansas. We spent a little bit of time in West Tennessee. Now we're in East Tennessee on our way to Virginia and then Maryland for Beltane. So, and um, I just looked at the 
the the thing for Beltane. What the hell is it called? It is the the schedule. So have you seen the schedule? I have not. Oh my gosh. So um, there's yoga each morning. And with the name they're using, I'm going to go look at their profile because we might know this person. Um, there's divination. There's rage, strength, and spirituality. Um, all kind Sex magic. Uh, yes, please is what it's called. And <laughs> play space and fire circles and opening the heart yoga and um, lots of polyamory stuff, energy exchange, back to basics, uh, fused glass jewelry. Oh, that'll be fun. We're doing sensual spanking. Why are we always picked to do sensual spanking at spiritual events? Because they need to get grounded. <laughs> oh, that's true. That is how, how that's done. Um, Embracing your... Uh, inner beloved, delicious deprivation. Ooh, nice. Energy play for sex magic rituals. That better not be across from us. Is that across from us? Ooh, I don't see us. I don't see us. I don't see us. Yay, I might be able to go to something. Um, All kinds of cool stuff happening. And, which... Oh, ordeal and spirituality. Yes. So if you, mm, that is going to be a great event. Chilly, but great. And. <gasps> How do they find out about it? How do they find out about it? Yeah, what's the link to the Oh, the link to that. <laughs> the link to that is I'll put it in the show notes. It is probably Turtle Hill Events. Do me uh, a favor and make sure you copy and paste those both into the show notes, that one and the article, so that I can put it in the show yes, notes. Yes, sir. Got it. You wouldn't have to go look at the show notes and you'd know all about our upcoming event in Maryland, not to mention Texas, Toronto, Pennsylvania, Detroit, Kansas City, Chicago, Tulsa, and brand new Minnesota. Keep up with all of our events, book news, discounts, and more via the Erotic Awakening newsletter. And get your EA shout-out, like Rebel from Texas. And Destinied from the Mile High City. Head over to eroticawakening.com and subscribe today. And with that, uh, we do have this interview with the Nobilis Reed that I keep telling you about. And here it is. Dawn, as you know, we started this podcast way back in 2009, and sometimes it takes a while for people to forget that they were on the show and what a terrible experience <laughs> it was. But coming back from 2009, we interviewed Nobilis of Nobilis Erotica, and Nobilis Erotica, if I understand correctly, started back in 2007. They are still around, and Nobilis is still around there, writing erotic mm -hmm. science fiction and more. Nobilis, thanks for being back on the podcast. You are more than welcome. I wish I could remember what we talked about last time so we don't retread old things, but you know what? I don't think, I don't remember. I don't think you do. Nobody else does. So let's just start fresh. Absolutely. I'm totally, totally down for that. So you were on episode 19 and then you'll be in episode like 650 something <laughs> right. this time. So, so. so we'll, we'll set our schedule for episode Just link 1, it in the show notes. You know how it goes. <laughs> Exactly. So what we're going to talk about today is passion of yours is, yes. and that is erotic science fiction. And yes. Dawn has really started to read a <laughs> lot of strange things and we share a Kindle account. So, so I, I go there to read philosophy or, so, well, not really, but when I do, I suddenly have the aliens, aliens and tentacles and, and, yeah, and all this kind of stuff. <laughs> so let me start there with, I mean, it is a, it's a, a growing and a, a significant subgenre of the erotic field. What makes erotic science fiction so fascinating to people? Well, I, I, it's the 
possibilities. It's being able to explore things that can't really happen on Earth now, whether it's magic or robots or tentacle monsters or, or what have you. You know, there's all kinds of, I mean, you know, they're just beginning with with sex dolls to to kind of begin to explore robotics in sexuality and it's very tentative and there's not a lot of money in it and you know the people who are doing it are on shoestring budgets and you know it's you look at what they've been able to do and you think wow are they ever going to be able to really make something and you think well what if they did and then you start saying, okay, what does it mean to fuck a robot? <laughs> and then, you know, there's this, you know, people do all kinds of weird things with their bodies. I've seen pictures of people who've had their tongue bifurcated or, you know, various other things for reasons, aesthetic or not sexual or not or whatever. And it's like, well, you know, with, with these kinds of strange altered bodies people have, well, what if you go further than that? How, you know, what's it like to have sex with a tentacle monster? What's it like? What does it mean? You know, and so science fiction and fantasy, which kind of lumped together under the umbrella of speculative fiction, is where we can explore all those things in our imaginations and say, okay, well, what if this were the ground rules? What if this were, and uh, and what I try to do is not just go beyond just like, well, it would be hot because, okay, that's obvious, but what, you know, what does it mean then? What, how, how, does, how does society work? How do personal relationships work? How does you know, one's own sense of self work under those circumstances so it's 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 huge there's just always more more things to explore is it challenging to write erotic science fiction because i mean you know if i wrote an erotic story about a guy who put his penis in a girl i can reflect (laughs) on some experience i've got around those realms but i don't have any experience with tentacle monsters or robots or that kind of thing does that right. add to a layer of challenge in writing around that let me let me let me let me tease out something there that that i think that 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 i think you glossed over without realizing it okay if you, would, if you write a story about putting a, a man putting his penis in a girl you're not writing about you and your penis Right. So you have to imagine that there's this other guy who's slightly different from you. Mm-hmm. And if you want to write more than one story, you're probably going to want to write about different, several different kinds of characters. So you have to make a certain amount of a jump to say, well, you know, what if I were, you know, instead of living in this home where I have now, what if I had never left the town where I grew up? And what mm-hmm. would that be like? And so you can kind of extrapolate a bit based on what you know about your hometown and what you know about yourself and how you might be different if you had stayed instead of left and all those kinds of questions. So to some extent, all fiction is speculative. 
because okay. so so it's not so much whether or not you're applying some imagination because if you're writing fiction you're applying imagination the question is how much you're doing it now when i was writing my monster whisperer series i had a, a writing i started off as a mentor eventually became more of a a partner i would read her stuff as she wrote it she would read my stuff as i wrote it we went back and forth and helped uh -huh. each other build our stories and I was writing the Monster Whisperer series, which is a, a world, a, a universe where tentacle monsters exist in a wide variety, and people keep them as sexual companions. <laughs> and and I got to like the fourteenth or fifteenth variety in the second book, and she's like, "Nobilis, how do you keep thinking these things up?" And I said, "Tell me how I can stop." <laughs> <laughs> Because, you know, the ideas are the easy part. You know, the ideas are, are, are you know, I've got notebooks where I just jot things down. It's like, oh, hey, what if this? And then I just put something down. So, you know, sitting down and writing the story is is the hard part. Dreaming up weird stuff to write about isn't, isn't, isn't really the challenge. So that was going to be my question was how you came up with topics. So is, you know, and, and you just explained that. So it's just ideas <laughs> that pop into your head. So do you, do you concentrate on those or do you ever go out and see what other people are interested in? I'm in a write few, about stuff like that. I'm in a few Facebook groups where people talk about what their favorite books are and stuff like that. I don't really, I don't really try to get into the conversation because as an author, I don't think it's my place to get too involved in reader conversations, but I do pay attention to what people are talking about and what their interests are on things. There's, there's one Facebook group that's specifically about monster fuckers, which has become the word for anyone in the speculative fiction community who writes erotica about non-human partners. And that could be anything from Bigfoot to dinosaurs to aliens to robots to whatever, you know, it's, it's this huge uh, range. And one of the things I've learned from list, from reading this group is that I don't need to be squeamish at all about what kind of things I write because people love the weirdest stuff and will wax rhapsodic about what they've been reading in these private Facebook groups. So yeah, I, I, I don't get to read them for ideas so much as permission. <laughs> mm -hmm. Just, okay, yeah, this, I'm fine, I'm good. You know, nothing is gonna shock any of these people at least. <laughs> nice, nice. So, so yeah, we, we've got a channel on our Discord where we're sharing pictures of tentacle monsters and everything from Little Red Riding Hood to tentacles to to robots to hell I just watched Guardians of the Galaxy part two last night and I forget the blue guy's name. Drax. And, no, that's the red guy. Oh okay. blue guy. <laughs> that's the red guy. No, the blue guy. Okay. And the blue guy yeah. just got finished fucking yellow robot lady that didn't know was a robot right till she turned herself off and the guy who originally had the whistling arrow yes yeah that guy i've forgotten his name mandow 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 it's something like that yeah we have hundreds of angry nerds writing us letters right now i know and i just watched the damn thing yesterday so you'd think i would remember the names i would have gone mandow 
Oh, but, it probably could be. Yeah, yeah. that's probably it. Yeah, yeah. So, but like, well, yeah. So even thing that's that's like Marvel, right? Yeah, I mean, yeah. obviously they don't show the sex, but he's definitely in a horror house and he's yeah. zipping up his pants. So, yeah. you know. <laughs> So easy to get ideas, I would imagine. So is it a, well, I'm going to save that one. That's because that's, that's going to be a good question because I'm really interested in that one because, oh, fuck, now I can't save it, can I? <laughs> is it true that, that you should, that the indicator for you that it's a good writing is that you are excited by it? Or is that just a rumor that people think? There's lots of different kinds of excitement. Right. Okay. Mm-hmm. There's okay. there's sexual excitement. There's, you know, your bits getting tingly and, you know, things getting hard. You know, that's one kind. And then there's the kind of excitement that's like a, a more a kind of an emotional investment kind of mm-hmm. uh, excitement where, and it's, and it's weird because, you know, as an author, one of the things that, that, you know, you, I mean, pretty much any book, I can name some exceptions, but most of the time, you put your main characters through hell and back, right? Mm-hmm. You really put them in terrible positions. And so there's a certain level, at, at least for myself and for for some of the other authors I talk to, there's a certain amount of like dominant energy there, right? Where it's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, you're suffering now, but it's going to be good. Trust me. Right. There's a certain amount of that kind of energy in 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 writing. And so that 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 there's that level of excitement there. And there's also because very often when I'm writing something, I have a particular reader in mind, someone whose preferences I know and someone whose level of excitement I understand. Mm. And and so sometimes when I'm writing, I'll say, oh, oh, she's really going to love this part or this will really push his buttons. And so there's okay. also a certain amount of like service there. There's a certain amount of I'm doing something that's going to really excite someone else. And that excites me. Very so, cool. So there's all kinds of different ways that energy manifests in writing and those are just the first three i could think of i could probably go keep going if i if i had you know an hour to think about it and a few hundred dollars for a psychotherapist (laughs) (laughs) i would imagine it's exciting if the story flows if you don't have to struggle with it you know something it's for me at least that doesn't happen until i'm doing edits and revisions Mm. it when i'm setting the story down I'm wrestling with it. I'm 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 just trying to figure out what happens next and the flow doesn't happen until I get in there to you know fill in the cracks and and file down the rough edges and and really shape it into something that gets across what I had intended. So yeah, I, I mean there's a flow state sometimes. I don't get it that often. I'm not that kind of writer, but sometimes I'll get into a state where the words are just flying off my fingers and there's a certain kind of level flow to that but i that's not that's not generally the work while i'm writing it's more something i i try to craft in the revision process because i'm not a i'm not a i'm not someone who's got everything planned out from the beginning so Mm -hmm. i you know i usually have to do two or three revision passes to 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 get it 
anywhere near something I would submit to, you know, publication. Right. So you've been doing this for a very long time. What's your favorite? What's the my, favorite my, thing that you've written? Favorite <laughs> thing I've written? Well, see. <laughs> okay. There's there's this guy. I went to a I went to a concert once. And this fellow named Bill Danoff was playing. I'm not sure if you remember that name. He was playing, he's playing a bunch of songs, and somebody said, What's your favorite song you wrote? I, said, <laughs> I mean, at the top of my list is Take Me Home Country Roads, because it's made me more money than any other song I've ever written. Uh-huh. But that's my favorite. <laughs> so there's that aspect to it. I'm proud of everything I've written. Even looking back at some of the older stuff where I'm like, oh, not right now today. No, 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 no. I'm still proud of it because for someone who was doing it in the state I was in at the time, it's good. And better now. Mm-hmm. So I think what I think is my best work is my most recent one, which is Monster Whisperer Second Class. That's the most recent book that I've put out. There's another one, but I haven't, it hasn't been published yet. So that one would be my favorite when that one comes out. <laughs> Nobelis, thank you very much for joining us on the podcast. Where can people find your books, your podcast, and all the other things that you've been doing for these many years? The place I want people to go after listening to this is my podcast, nobilis.libsyn.com. It's Nobilis Erotica. If you look up Nobilis Erotica and in your podcatcher, it'll probably come up if they haven't tried to erase me. And, and, and that's where you can kind of get, get a hold of the, what I do. And there's a whole bunch of audio that I've written in that podcast kind of back in the archives most recent stuff is is by other people because it's now a uh, it's now an anthology podcast where i i know i i license stories and get narrators and and put them out as a as a monthly short story anthology podcast but from there you can get to my patreon where people can listen to the stuff i'm making kind of as i'm making it you can get to from there you can get to all the pages where all the places where my stuff is published. If you look for Nobilis Read in your favorite ebook retailer, you will find you will find my books. But what I want most most people to 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 what I want people to go to most <laughs> is my podcast. Fantastic. Nobilis, it has been a pleasure to have you back on the show. And if it probably won't help your bio any, but you can say <laughs> Nobilis Reed has been appearing on the Erotic Awakening podcast for 14 years. 